This is Taiwan Plus on ICRT, your connection to stories that matter. Brought to you by the news team at TaiwanPlus.com. Welcome to Taiwan Plus News. I'm Ian Kavat. Tens of thousands are fleeing Ukraine and have started arriving in neighboring countries in Central Europe. Some Taiwanese are still stuck in the country, which is now at war. Taiwan doesn't have a representative office in Ukraine, and Taiwan's foreign ministry says that from Friday, Taiwanese living in Ukraine can deal with its office in Poland rather than Moscow. Louise Watt has this report. Leaving Ukraine behind them. Families seek safety in other European countries after Russia invaded their homeland by land, air and sea. At a border crossing with Poland, Ukrainians spoke of their shock. Feeling one at the middle of the night, you are awake because everybody calls you that the bomb, the bomb felt and there is fires everywhere and different places, even such supposed not to be bombed, even Western Ukraine, right? As the scale of Russia's attack became clear, Ukrainians piled into cars and trains to flee, causing traffic jams like on this road from Ukraine's second largest city, Kharkiv, where reports said apartment buildings were shaking from constant blasts. Flights soon diverted around Ukraine, the country closing its airspace to civilian flights because of what it said was a high risk to safety. Packed trains arrived in Poland. Everyone was leaving Ukraine because of the, because of the bombing and everything. But many more remain in Ukraine including Hong Jia Chung. He's one of 33 Taiwanese in the country. He wants to go home, but his Ukrainian wife doesn't have a Taiwanese visa, and they have yet to get a marriage certificate from Ukrainian authorities. Ukraine's neighbors are preparing for an influx of refugees and setting up camps. The Russian invasion could lead to a humanitarian crisis that crosses borders. Klein Wong and Louise Watt for Taiwan Plus. With Ukraine battling to resist a full-out invasion, I asked Eric Lee, Associate Director of Programs with the U.S.-based Project 2049 Institute, how closely Taiwan should be watching the developments. I think what's happening in Ukraine is terrible. And for people in Taiwan, it's natural and understandable to draw parallels between Ukraine and Taiwan. You know, both are countries that are not part of security collectives. Um, they face existential threats posed by much larger and hostile and irredentist neighbors. But it's important to keep in mind that these are fundamentally different situations. So that, that's the first thing to keep in mind. Um, that said, what Taiwan should be looking at, and also China, are two main things. What the U.S. is reacting to, how it reacts, as well as how the fight plays out. And a big thing to keep in mind is that with Russia, they are using a similar playbook that China could use if it decides to attack Taiwan. You know, not just invasion, but all on the spectrum of coercion. And this includes political warfare campaigns, cyber attacks and missile strikes that may um, come before an amphibious invasion in Taiwan's situation. In terms of priorities for Taiwan's defense, what would you place at the top? I think the most important thing for Taiwan at this point is not any specific weapon system, but to have a clearly defined 
defense strategy or at least concept to describe the force buildup, its priorities and reserve reform. I believe these are things that the U.S. is looking at and not just for U.S. interests, but also how Taiwan would effectively build up an asymmetric force against China. Because the PLA has a growing qualitative and quantitative advantage, Taiwan must focus on certain areas. However, the U.S. has been ambiguous with its support for Taiwan in, on the, in the defense side. So Taiwan must be prepared for all scenarios. Taiwan's government has announced it will impose sanctions on Russia over the invasion of Ukraine. According to government statistics, Russia is Taiwan's 19th largest trading partner, accounting for around 1% of total trade. The sanctions are unlikely to affect Taiwan's semiconductor industry, as chip sales to Russia total only 0.013% of the nation's exports. People are gathering in support of Ukraine outside Russia's representative office in Taipei. A small police presence monitored the rally from inside and outside the building. More protests are scheduled for later in the day. Taiwan is home to around 210 Ukrainian citizens. The event was organized by Alex Komakenko, who was born and grew up in Ukraine. And so, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable, right? It's the country where some of my family lives. It's the country that my Ukrainian grandfather fought for in World War II. He lived in Russia. And thankfully, you know, in some way, he didn't live to see this day. If he did, it would just blow his mind that a fratricidal war is happening. People are, you know, they're afraid, but they're not scared. You know, they are taking measures. Some of them evacuated. This is a big city. Some of them are staying down, but everybody, is just there. They have nowhere to go, really. And they know that the country will fight and they know that they will win. So let's take a look at some of the other stories in the region. Taiwan's United Microelectronics Corporation has announced plans for a 5 billion US dollar advanced semiconductor foundry in Singapore. The contract chip maker said the new fab will make 22 and 28 nanometer chips for 5G products, Internet of Things and auto electronics. It expects to begin production in late 2024. A global chip shortage made worse by the COVID-19 pandemic has particularly affected automakers and consumer electronics companies. UMC says it hopes the new Singapore facility will help restore balance to the industry supply chain. It has been producing semiconductors in Singapore for more than 20 years. Taiwan's economy is expected to grow faster this year than the government initially forecast. The country's statistics office estimates that gross domestic product, or GDP, for 2022 will be 4.42 percent, up nearly 0.3 percentage points from the previous estimate in November. Figures also show that unemployment dropped for a seventh straight month in January. Earlier, reporter Eric Gao spoke with Dr. Roy Lee, Senior Deputy Executive Director at the Zhonghua Institution of Economic Research, and asked him what these numbers mean for Taiwan's overall economy. First of all, the last quarter of last year, Taiwan performed much better than uh, originally expected. Our export continued to grow for the three 
months of, of the last quarter. And the demand, the international demand for Taiwan's export items continue to remain strong. The demand for Taiwan's um, products, not only semiconductors, but also petrochemical, organic chemicals or steel products and, and metal products, machineries remain very strong. Uh, as you mentioned, a lot of the growth is being driven by exporters, specifically uh, semiconductors and raw materials and things like that. Does this mean that because these portions of the economy are doing so well that they're masking other parts of the economy that may not be doing quite as well? According to uh, our surveys among uh, uh, private, uh, our manufacturer sectors, we do uh, feel a, a sense of concern uh, that's been uh, growing in other sectors outside semiconductors. The, their first concern comes from the fact that they, they have difficulty recruiting qualified workers to join uh, because the expansion of semiconductors actually is a kind of taking away or becoming a major a magnet to, to attract uh, qualified uh, graduate. We also hear complaints from other sectors on uh, the shortage of supply of, for example, construction materials or construction companies that is willing to work with non-semiconductor uh, companies because semiconductors tends to pay higher money and other uh, providing better resources. Taiwan's transportation ministry says deaths from drunk driving were at their highest in five years in 2021. There were 318 deaths, a 10% increase on the year before. Despite the spike, 2021 saw fewer overall deaths on Taiwan's roads than any of the previous five years. Transportation Minister Wang Guotai said fighting drunk driving will be a priority this year and issued a stern warning to would-be offenders. A legend of Taiwanese opera is in the spotlight once more as she passes the torch to one of her former pupils in a new production. Eric Gao takes a look at Lord Jia Qing and the journey to Taiwan. Yang Lihua is considered a national treasure in Taiwan. Now 77 years old, she has been performing Taiwanese opera for more than four decades and has appeared in almost 170 productions. Now she is working on a new production, Lord Jia Qing and the Journey to Taiwan, and passing the generational mantle to one of her former apprentices. The production is based on a local folktale about a visit to Taiwan by the Qing Emperor Jia Qing. Yang served as artistic director, including designing the performer's costumes. Yang has called it her life's mission to pass on Taiwanese opera and preserve its unique character. But she also says change is necessary. Lord Jia Qing and the journey to Taiwan will be televised, part of efforts to bring the art form to a wider audience. The show will hopefully create a new generation of Taiwanese opera fans. Kama Shi and Eric Gao for Taiwan Plus. Thanks for watching Taiwan Plus News. Stay safe and see you next time. Thanks for listening to Taiwan Plus on ICRT. For more great stories from Taiwan and around the world, visit TaiwanPlus.com.